superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. We've got ourselves a fun show so far. Hour number three here on this program. 844-204-RICH being the number to dial right here on the uh on the, uh, the, the the whole YouTube channel, uh, we've got, pardon me, we're here on the Roku channel, live on the Roku channel stream. We're live here on this Rich Eisen Show terrestrial radio affiliate, live on Sirius XM Odyssey and more. We say hello to our podcast listeners here on our program, 844-204-RICH, number to doll. Our podcast listeners who take our podcast in every single day on the Cumulus Podcast Network. We're greatly appreciative of all of that. We're greatly appreciative of everybody who follows us on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. Also, everybody who follows us on our Instagram at Rich Eisen Show and our Facebook and our Twitter and our TikTok. Yeah, TJ, we're on TikTok. Yeah, you know, we're on our TikTok now. We're on our TikTok game. We've got uh, Chris Brockman and Mike Del Tufo. Mike is freaking out over there. Yeah. Are we good? Are we, are we, are we up and running? On, I got to restart my uh, you, playback. Okay, system. we got to re- uh, so, okay. restart the playback. We can't we can't do anything but uh, other keep going on while we're restarting the playback. Eight four four two zero four. Rich is the number to dial right here on the program. Doris Burke was on in hour number one. Uh, we are about a couple of hours away from Bob Myers, the president and general manager of the Golden State Warriors, making uh, official what uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reported while we're on the air in hour number one, talking to Doris Burke about last night's Eastern Conference final game seven uh, between the Celtics and the Heat. The Heat now making the NBA finals against the uh, the Denver Nuggets. And uh, Bob Myers is going to be making it official that uh, he's stepping down. And there's a new general manager in town coming for the uh, Golden State Warriors. And on top of all that, she mentioned how, um, with no information, as she said, this could affect Steve Kerr and his thought process about sticking around in Golden State. Obviously, he's going to speak for himself, but that's something to keep an eye on. It's something we'll be talking about on Wednesday's show in advance of Thursday's tip-off to the NBA Finals. Um, And uh, in that respect, we have got for us... A moment to let you know who we think is going to win it all. And in that respect, it's time now for championship predictions on the Rich Eisen Show presented by Dave and Busters. And I'm going to go first right here. Yeah, if you don't mind, Mike, if you've got the ability to play music, I'll take it. I'm back. Oh, so so as you know, it's Denver versus Miami. Sorry that uh, your Boston Celtics are out, Chris. (laughs) Uh, and I am going to predict, part of me wants to take the Miami Heat here. Part of me wants to say that this team with one undrafted 
guy after another with Hemi Butler and somebody like Kyle Lowry who knows how to win championships, that this guy and that team with Spolstra is going to figure out a way to keep their run going, that they knocked out the one and two seeds of the East and the uh, New York Knickerbockers as well. But I still think the difference maker is the guy who is a back-to-back MVP of this league, and it's Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets, and I think they're going to take this series. I'm going to give the, I'm going to give, I'm going to give the Heat a game six at home to try and extend it, and they don't. And the Nuggets win on the road. I think the Heat will will take one in Denver just to keep things interesting, but Denver is going to push the pedal to the metal, and. Um, and Denver's going to win this thing in six. And Jokic is going to be the MVP. I, I just cannot, for the life of me, think how the Heat are going to defend this guy. He brings the ball up the court. He brings the ball up the court and distributes it. He runs a two-man game if he so desires. He can shoot the three if he desires. He does literally everything. He blocks shots. He plays defense. And the Heat, unless they keep running warm bodies at him that don't care if they foul out and somehow, some way wear him down, uh, they still have Jamal Murray and they still have Michael Porter Jr. and they still have Aaron Gordon and they still have KCP. And they, I love their coach, Michael Malone, who's as good as anybody else in this league. And I think the... The Nuggets take this in six, and Jokic is the MVP. What do you say, TJ Jefferson, for your championship prediction? I mean, let's just be very honest, right? The Heat shouldn't even be here. They shouldn't. There's no reason why this team should be in the finals, right? They lost to Atlanta in, in a play-in game. And then to get here without Tyler Harrow, without Oladipo, it's just like, man, this team, they should have been fishing a long time ago, Rich, right? So it kind of makes you want to go, uh, maybe they got a chance no, I know. to, I to know take went, this. And Hero's coming back, too. And, which, Hero and, could be coming back. I, I mean, and, and like I said, for a team that shouldn't even be here, it's amazing that they are. And I, I think I'd like to say, yeah, maybe they could pull up the upset. But based on everything you just said, it's this joker factor. They have no one who can match up with this guy unless they get something out of Nikola Jovic, who they have on the bench, the nice. 19-year-old who hasn't even played. Um, you know, there was an Eddie Murphy movie, The Distinguished Gentleman, where they talked about name recognition. Maybe if Jovic got in there and thought he was Jokic, it could be a different series. But I, I don't see that happening, and I don't see the Heat being able to, to match up and keep up with this team. So like you, I think six, six. games, Joker gets the MVP. Um but again, nothing surprises me in sports anymore. So if the Heat were to maybe pull this off, I don't know that I'd be shocked. But right now, I just can't see it happening. I'm going with Denver. Chris? Yeah, it's a Denver sweep. I think it's going to be five games. Um, well, that's not a sweep. That's not a sweep. A Denver sweep that we're picking Denver. Oh, I see oh, what you're gotcha. saying. Understood. <laughs> that we're picking Denver. It's 3-0 here. 3-0. Yes. And I'm going Denver in five. I think Miami's only chance to really get one in this series is to steal game it's one. Or if someone uh, gets hurt. Yeah, injuries notwithstanding, yeah. but it's a steal game one just because they've been playing. They're fresh. Yeah. Uh, Denver hasn't played in, what, 10 days? 
Uh, but for me, I'm going Jamal Murray, MVP. I know, obviously, joke, easy pick. The guy's amazing, unstoppable, best player in the world right now. But Jamal Murray is really taking his game to a different level in the playoffs. He's all the way back to what we saw a few years ago during his coming out party. 20 points per game in the regular season. He's up to 28 a game in the playoffs. 32 and a half a game in the four-game sweep over the Lakers. Doing it on all-around games. Six rebounds, five assists. He's everywhere. And I think... Miami doesn't really have a guy to stop him. Like, is Jimmy Butler going to guard Jamal Murray? He's going to have to. Uh, I know that Heat are tough, but kind of what Doris Burke said, they're only scoring 100 points a game kind of in the playoffs. They're going to need – watch Denver play. They push, 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 120, 130 yeah, points need, per game. They're going to need to find 20 points somewhere. They're going to have to find that, well, and I just hero. don't think they're going to do it. Weirdly, Miami's a better team without Tyler Hero, kind of what we've seen in this playoffs. Uh, they're able to kind of free up more. You've seen Cable Barton shine, Gabe Vincent. I just think it's kind of over. The pumpkin is gonna gonna come to roost. I hear you. One last prediction is um, I I I don't think we're gonna be outliers here. I think most everyone's gonna predict Denver to win, but there's gonna be a ton of coverage about the Heat and what they just did and what they're able to do. And Denver's still going to be able to play the nobody believes in his card, yeah, even absolutely. though everybody chooses them. Yeah, weird. Like Tom Brady saying, oh, yeah, "We all suck," and nobody. Well, and just them. nobody. I, I still don't understand. <laughs> I still don't know who Brady was referring to as he headed off to the Super Bowl to beat the Rams. That everybody didn't believe in them. Right. Um, I still haven't identified a single soul in Los Angeles or anywhere else that 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 was saying what he was saying. But uh, I can get the Nuggets still feeling that way. But it's a clean sweep. We all feel in this uh, studio that the Nuggets win just a different version of how many games and who wins the MVP. And that was Championship Predictions presented by Dave & Buster's. Watch basketball like a pro at DNB with 40-foot TVs, cocktails, beer, and delicious food. It's the ultimate watch experience. Dave & Buster's. There you go. Uh, I, I'm... I'm Tyler Hero's the answer, though, right? He can come out if, but he's been out for what? Yeah, but it's not like he's just gonna—he's just gonna average twenty points, right? And that's just on top of everything else (laughs) because the shots are gonna have to come away from somebody for him to take them. True that, and make them. Yeah, he broke his shooting hand, right, Chris? That his right hand was it his right hand he broke? I think it was his right hand. So yeah. Either way, it's gonna be tough. Miami doesn't play at that fast pace. Like even when Boston had all its success in games four and five, it was fast, fast. Miami wants to slow it down. They want a game in the 90s. Nobody breaks 100. That's not Denver. Even on makes, Jokic is running the fast break. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. It's, yeah. There's nothing like it. And, just don't by, have by the the way, and by the way, it's not like he's lumbering up the court. He's legitimately running the fast break right. and seeing the court and making – not only the right pass, but sometimes the pass nobody else thinks is coming. Yeah. He's unreal. Yeah, the amount of times you're just like, wait, how did, where did that, where did that, where come, did from? that come from? It's like, unreal. Open three, dunk. It's- Miami's definitely going to have to slow this game down. Yeah, They're going to have to make it a, a, a muddy a type. I know. A slog, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A mudder, as they would say in horse racing. A couple things uh, also. Um, why does the NBA give out the trophies in front of everybody? In the whole, uh, in the opposing court, I mean, oh, I, don't know. I, I that that one I don't understand. I think Rich they switched that because 
like the NHL trophy presentation is the greatest thing in sports. And I think like after a few years, I think maybe that had something to do. Because remember, they used to no, not no, no. do that. I'm, what yeah. I'm saying is they can pivot. Like, let's have a spot inside the arena for the Heat yeah, if they win. And it's oh, old man. school. Looks like winning time. You know, like there's a step and repeat behind... <laughs> And you know, there's you know, and in champagne, or whatever, and they're in their locker room, the and plastic cover, and, and, and Ernie's lockers. in the role of right. you know Brent Musburger handing out the Larry Ob to an owner or whomever, and they're all tight in, and they're all you know, they're all in one spot. It's their own little spot, and they're celebrating as opposed to just like standing out there in an emptied out arena that Ernie Johnson has to talk about the elephant in the room. That I know you're all you know leaving the arena, but we're giving out the trophies. And ironically, both of them are named after Celtics legends. I mean, it's – and if the Celtics win, well, then have it on the court. I mean, you can pivot, right? I mean – Yeah, I don't get it. Just just don't have some guy who can't say uh, three words together hand out a a car, you know, to the MVP, (laughs) like baseball did a few years ago. (laughs) Uh, that poor guy. Was that, what that was his guy. name again? I'm sorry oh, that he's man. catching yeah. straight yeah. right he now. Chevrolet yeah, I forget who he was. He was like yeah. the, he was the Ken Bone of, uh, yeah, of yeah. trophy yeah. giveaways. <laughs> that was bad. I, that one last night was kind of weird to me. Yeah, especially you know? once he said to Bob Cousy, I was Tough like, oh, that's Ernie. right. That is like, the name. Ernie, of hey, Ernie, give out the Cousy and give <laughs> out the, the bird. bird. Yeah. You know, after Miami just flipped it. <laughs> To and that, the to Sully and Fitz, quick. and they emptied the hell out. Oh, please! You would have thought an alarm went off or something. Well, I mean, that thing was emptying out with like five minutes yeah, to go. I mean, that was the writing was on the wall and big. You know, it was red rum was on the wall, man. <laughs> so it was the coming. Red sweater is Plan B. I was pretty much <laughs> back in the day, but you know, uh, I'm, and so one other thing uh, is, uh, what do you think of Nick Nurse being the Sixers coach? Look, man, you got a coach right who former NBA champion. Former coach of the year, yes, sir. Um, coach Kawhi, Coach Kawhi was the uh, the coach for the Jeff Walker game. Yes, <laughs> the, nice. the four bounce game. Yes, so to look, beat the Sixers, he he's someone who apparently had a lot of interest in wanting to coach Joel Embiid. Um, you know my position on him. I, I I wish somebody would make him play like a big man instead of a guy twenty three feet away from the basket. So maybe but they Nick don't Nurse- say that about Jokic, though, right? And we never hear that about no, but Jokic. because Jokic does will go like Shaq a few weeks ago said Joker was the best big man in the NBA, and a lot of people kind of ruffled at it. But I knew what he meant. He does play like a big man, With like his back to the basket. He does, he can well, obviously yeah he comes to the top, he facilitates, he runs the offense. But when the time comes like that, he uses his size. Whereas Embiid doesn't necessarily always use that that formidable frame he has. So I'm hoping maybe Nick Nurse is able to get him to realize the closer you are to that orange rim, the more points you're going to score and the more successful it will be. But you still got to see what's going to go with Harden, what's going to happen with Tobias Harris. There's still a lot of things that have to be settled with this team. So I I, I do uh, – so to answer your question, I think I do like the coach hire. Okay. Yeah. Well, unfortunately – there's a lot to – I mean, a week, a week ago I wanted him coaching my team. Who, Nick Nurse? Yeah. Yeah. I did, I did think it was going to be Monty Williams just because – as I said, it seemed like he was the guy who was next in line for the job before the Suns took him. But I'm sure now maybe Milwaukee might be his destination. You never know. You never know, right? 
Who no no Milwaukee's going to hire? Uh, oh, that's the, right. I just saw that. The the uh, um, Toronto assistant, yes. right? Yeah, Adrian Griffin. Adrian yeah, Griffin. Yeah, right. Yeah, sorry about. This. So yeah, so, uh, I guess I don't know. So no. Who knows what's going to happen right there? Uh, it's too bad though. I was hoping for one name. Just it would have been a great segment if Mike D'Antoni had come back. Well, let me tell you something. You you wouldn't have been able to that'd come been, to me. That'd have been then. a great segment. <laughs> Here's another name though that I'm interested in that's floating out there, and that's the name of Bob Myers. And uh, because Daryl Morey's running your no, show. No, no, no. I'm talking oh. about the Clippers because the Clippers, we lost our GM. He's now going to transition and take over the Wizards. You need one. If we can afford Bob him. Bob Myers is from here, I believe. Is it Southern California? I kid? believe he is. Okay. And the only problem is, is, you know, I don't know if the Clippers have the money to pay him what he wants. That's an issue. That could be an issue. I don't know. We spend our money oh, on Oh, I'm toilets. sorry. I'm being told the owner could just sell one floppy disk <laughs> and pay for it. Yeah. By the way, I've never said the words floppy disk into this microphone before. Why would you? <laughs> and I mean, how many how many toilets is there? A lot of toilets. Like okay. 1100? That's right. Yeah. All right. Toilets. There you go. Steve Ballmer's only at 101.5 billion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Sorry, TJ. Yeah. Yeah. You're not competitive. Yeah. You know. Not competitive. Crap. Billion dollar toilets. There it toilets. is. Thank you. <laughs> That is my favorite drop that we have. Toilets! <laughs> By the way, Kenny Kenny Smith has people go fishing. Uh-huh. We've got teams that go right into the... Toilets! Uh, That's the way we roll. Sorry, your Celtics are in the indisposed at the moment. Where are they at, Mike? <laughs> he's he's not. He's, he's not. Toilets! Right, I got it. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's take a break. Wow. Uh, Alan Seppenwall, for everybody who has not seen... Who watches Succession and has not seen the final... Um, uh, I guess show of the series, the season, fa- the series, series finale. finale. Sorry, yeah. those are the words I'm looking for. Uh, we apologize in advance, but um, it's going to be a great conversation with the yeah. chief TV critic of Rolling Stone about the finale to Succession and the upcoming one for Ted Lasso tonight. Oh boy, that's next. This is the Rich Eisen Show. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least the partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or... 
your partners. Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We're sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desks furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger is the right product for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Before we get to Alan Sepinwall of, uh, uh, of Rolling Stone, Talk about succession again. If you've if you haven't seen the final yet, you know just uh, bear with us for this segment here. Uh, Tom Wamsgans of Succession, played by Matthew McFadden, who uh, I think he was my favorite character of the entire four uh, years. There's yeah. so many of them. So, yeah. Just there's so yeah. many things about him. He winds up eventually as the CEO of the the new the newly bought Waystar Royco Gojo, yep. and last season. He knocked off the three kids, his wife and the two sons, to win season three, if you will, because he gave a heads up to Logan Roy that the kids were planning a coup against him. So he knocked all three kids out there, and then in the finale, knocked all three kids out there. And there was a hot rumor going around all weekend long that the creators of Succession tipped their hand long ago by naming him a weirdly named last name, Wamsgans, tipped their hand that he was going to win it and knock off all three siblings because he was named, according to this rumor, after a baseball player for the 1920 Indians named Bill Wamsgans, with two S's at the end of his name, who is famous for completing the first ever unassisted triple play in World Series history in Game 5 of the nine-game 1920 World Series against the Brooklyn Robins. Wow. In Game 5, pivotal, tied at two games apiece. Pivotal. Indians up 7-0, and Wamsgans, an infielder, snags a ball, ticketed for center field, steps on second, and tags the guy running from first to second, unassisted triple play, and everybody thought, like, that is why Tom was named Wamsgans because he completed a triple play at the end of season three and the season finale of season four. Well, Stefan Fatsis, who is a writer who's been on this program, sports writer and also writer of note, called up Frank Rich, who's also been on this program, longtime New York Magazine and New York Times writer and also uh, an executive producer of Veep and Succession. Quote, I hate to spoil the Internet's fun, but it's false. Tom's family name was picked before we had shot a first season in 2016, let alone mapped out precise story twists that would have culminate 39 episodes later, not to mention that many of the key writers on the show, starting with its creator, Jesse Armstrong, are British, live in London, and are devoted to British football. They wouldn't know. <laughs> Basically, he's saying Keith Olbermann's not they, writing the show. Come on, that's the craziest coincidence ever then. He said, that. if memory serves, we were looking for something off-key that would be awkward to say slash pronounce, befitting a character who arrives as an outsider in the Roy's world, and that's why they chose somebody named Wamsgans. A succession staff member had a relative named Wamsgans, and that's why they chose Tom's name. It has nothing to do with the World Series in 1920. 
don't know. That's on Slate.com. Wow. Is that reputable? It is. Oh, okay. Now then, <laughs> we turn to the chief television critic of Rolling Stone to talk about succession and the Ted Lasso finale that's coming up. None other than Alan Sepinwall back here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you doing, Alan? I'm great, Rich. Thanks for having me. Why do you think succession worked, Alan? Why do you um, think? I think I think because it was incredibly well written and well acted. Just the, the dialogue, even just on a purely comedic level, it's one of the funniest and most quotable shows <laughs> ever made. Uh, the work that Jesse Armstrong and those actors did in terms of helping us understand some of the worst human beings alive and offering this, you know, fractured mirror version of what we have been going through as a society for the last uh, however many years was really effective. Yeah, I, I don't recall a show that's supposedly dramatic that made me laugh quite as much as Succession. It was laugh out loud hilarious. And then just the point of you just saying about the characters being so terrible, just horrible human beings. And I would constantly be rooting for them. Uh, and then rooting against them at a drop of a hat in the same way, in, in many ways, like Walter White, right? Uh, yeah. um, Tony Soprano, anti-heroes uh, that I, I loved watching and then loved to hate and didn't kind of see the line that I would be crossing over between rooting for and against all the time, Alan. Yeah, no, TV of, over the last 20 years especially has really conditioned us to empathize with and understand absolute monsters. You know, and I've written books about Sopranos and Breaking Bad, so I've thought about those guys a whole lot over the years. And even though they're, you know, murderers and in some cases sociopaths, I would often find them more likable than a number of the members of the Roy family who just had no redeeming characteristics whatsoever. So then let's just jump into uh, the Sunday night finale with, again, as I've mentioned before, just uh, apologies for any spoilers. Um, what did you think of the finale of Succession, Alan? I thought it was really good. I don't know if it was you know the best episode of this season or one of the great finales ever, but I thought it was a really appropriate ending to the story of the show, and especially when you get to that scene with Shiv and her brothers following her you know, into the smaller conference room after she's walked away from making her vote. That's just a spectacular five-minute bit of acting, writing, directing. It's just, it's everything the show had been building towards. And it's like, Kendall did everything wrong that you could possibly do wrong in that moment and thus exactly proved his sister's point about why he should not be the one to get that job. But my, my pushback on that, Alan, and I tweeted about it, and I'm wondering what you think about it, is it, Shiv's actions to me did not ring true to her character that the Shiv the, that we had seen for damn near 40 episodes when she had the ultimate, ultimate comeuppance potential for her, uh, the, the ultimate, I guess, swing of the leverage hammer placed in her lap as the swing vote, that when yeah. she walked out, I didn't think that she would be conflicted. I thought that she would use it to leverage her brothers and say, if you want to do this and you need my vote right now, I want X, Y, and Z. That's that's the shiv that we would know. Certainly if she could, um, you know, shiv, if you will, um, Lucas Matson and Tom, her her husband in quotes. I mean, why, why did she do what she did? It didn't ring true to me, Alan. All right, so there, there's a whole bunch of things to unpack here, so I'll, yes. I'll try not to monologue too long. Go for it. One, Okay, 
one, I think she cannot stand her brothers. Like she, it's like she said, like she loves them, but she, you know, kind of hates to be around Kendall. And so in the moment when they're at their mom's house in the Caribbean, they make this alliance and they're sort of having a good time for a day and a half. Yes. And then she gets there to the office that morning and she sees Kendall putting his feet up on their dad's desk and just, you know, fratting it around with Stewie. And you can already see on her face, like, wait a minute, this is what it's going to be like. I don't know that I want to be around this guy. And second, Thomas, yes, she is sort of estranged from Tom, but he is still technically her husband. And more to the point, she is currently pregnant with their child. And she also knows, like, that she can manipulate Tom and be perhaps the power behind the throne. And I don't know that she ultimately has, like, any huge beef with Lucas Matson, other than the fact that he, you know, goes back on his word to her. But everybody in this world does that. And I think when she walks out of the room, she's not sure what she wants to do. I think she's leaning towards voting, you know, for the sale because she realizes she's worried about having to deal with Kendall and realizing that he's just going to freeze her out again because that's what he does. And she goes into the room and Kendall follows her and does everything, again, everything you could possibly do to convince her, do not vote my way. It's really something. Yeah, it really was something. Uh, I Again, I was just so stunned that she would flush it all down the toilet like that. And I understand that she's getting a huge paycheck, and I understand she's getting a huge check out of it, and I understand that, you know, technically she still is uh, involved uh, familiarly, uh, in the in the familial sense. Um, yeah. With, with with the company because Tom has taken over and her, her estranged husband. But why wouldn't she screw her Tom and screw Lucas and screw her brothers and wind up with all the chips that she possibly can uh, to to have as much of her birthright that she's been chasing for four seasons? It just didn't make I sense. I think she gets more of that in this version than she would if she tried to cut a deal with her brothers because I think ultimately we have seen these siblings, you know, betray each other often enough that once Kendall was installed in the seat of power, A, he would probably drive the company into the ground. And so, therefore, this thing becomes worthless to her. Um, you know, so there's that. But also, I think if he if he got the throne, he would very quickly forget about any promises he made just because that's who he is and what he does. Earlier in the finale, you see her. She reaches out to Tom and she says, asks him basically how he would feel about finally having a real relationship as opposed to the way she always treated him previously. And he's noncommittal on it, but you can see, like, maybe she wants that. And we know she can sort of manipulate him, that he does sort of have feelings for her, that he is often sort of puts himself in the subordinate position to her, even when he technically outranks her in the company. And I think, like, in this version, she gets her payout, and she also gets to sort of exert a level of control that I do not think she would have if Kendall got the job. So she's sort of, it's a win-win for her. Alan, Chris Brockman here. Uh, what do you think about the theory that, that Shiv actually did this to kind of save her brothers because she saw what this this job, this title, this company did to Logan? And, and yes, while she does believe that Kendall wouldn't do a good job, but it also kind of saved him of a, of a life of misery that will ultimately kill him and, and, you know, and Roman too. I mean, I think there's probably some of that. Again, she does have ultimately loving feelings for the two of them, even if they're just – they make her miserable a lot of the time, and I can see that. And despite Kendall protesting that he's going to die if he doesn't get the job, like the job would have ruined him in the same way he would have ruined the company. And that might even be worse for him to have to go through the rest of his life 
realizing how bad he was at the job than having to deal with the fact that he never got to do it. Yeah, and I, 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 that said, what you just said, Chris, and your response, Alan, is Susie and I, my wife and I watching it, thought that Kendall was going to throw himself into the into New York Harbor at the end as he's staring, you know, into the the sun setting and his father's bodyguard watching over him. And I guess Ellis Island, what it appears to be in the background, we we thought he was going to go kill himself, that this thing would end with him jumping over the wall and into his certain death, one would think, in, in New York Harbor. I thought that was going to happen. Crazy thing, the crazy thing is that apparently Jeremy Strong said on like the official podcast that during one of the takes of that final scene, he impulsively decided, I'm going to go and try to climb that fence. He didn't tell anyone he was going to do it. And so suddenly the actor who played Colin, the bodyguard, had to run over and pull him down and keep him from endangering himself, huh. you know, without warning. Because, I mean, Jeremy Strong goes like the most method I've ever heard of any actor going. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that he would have pulled a stunt like that. So Jeremy, Ar- I mean, sorry. Uh, so so Armstrong and um, and the rest of the group there, Jesse Armstrong and the rest of the group there, um, had that take. They had that. They had that choice that they could have actually used and decided against it. Is what you're yes, saying? They, they definitely could have. And I think you know we see like Kendall drowning imagery is a big deal with him yeah. over the life of the show. It's not just that the, the cater waiter, you know, that they go into the river together. It's, you often see him in the bath, in a sauna, um, in the floating in the pool towards the end of last season, et cetera. Anytime things are going dark for Kendall Roy, he is usually in or right next to water. So I don't think that this is going to be a good time for him. And I would not be shocked with the idea that he does ultimately kill himself. But like the story of the show is Kendall trying to get this job. And so the fact that it ends with him not having gotten it, but us not having to see anything further, that seems fine to me. Like this, is, we got the beginning, we got the end. Anything after is is kind of irrelevant for our purposes. Two more minutes left with Alan Seppenwall, chief television critic of Rolling Stone, uh, in the aftermath of Succession's conclusion on now Max, right here on the Rich Eisen show. So, uh, where does uh, Brian Cox's Logan Roy stand for you in the pantheon of antiheroes, Alan? Uh, I mean, I don't know that I would call him an anti-hero. I think he's probably just a straight-out villain. I'm, you know, you'd have to search really hard for redeeming qualities to him, but he is an incredible character, like an all-timer. And the way that Cox was able to deliver all of those insults and to always seem like the most indomitable force in the room, despite like just this murderer's row of actors they put around him in both the regular cast and the guest stars. I mean, it's... It's an immortal thing that he did. Yeah, and then I mean, I I guess you're right that there, although they they did redeem him in his final appearance um, on the show with a, a video that, taken from a, a dinner <laughs> that was shown to the to the family by Connor Roy, played by Alan Ruck, and his the last we saw of him, he was singing and completely redeemable. It's unbelievable, you know. Yeah, I mean, at at the funeral, Shiv has this you know part of her speech where she talks about how like. Most of the time with Logan, you're in darkness or you're in shadow. But those rare moments where, like, he's shown a light on you was incredible. I mean, that's – and you see that in that moment. Like, that's the dad they wish they could have had all the time, and they got almost none of the time. So uh, who is your favorite character that's sort of underneath the radar throughout the history of Succession? 
maybe somebody who's not oh in the Roy God. family. I mean, I, I really love uh, Frank and Carl, yeah. Carl especially, because it, Carl is just so unapologetic <laughs> about any of this. Like, you see other characters who kind of have moral qualms, and Carl's like, no, I just want my money. I just want to buy my island. You know, I know that Logan's bad, and I don't really care. And that, that was always a fun character, and I thought David Rash was, was really good in that part. All right, last one for you, uh, Alan Seppenwall of Rolling Stone. I, is there a future? For succession spinoff movie i mean my no, gosh please, please none. no i mean we're, we're in this world where it's like everything has to get a spinoff and a prequel and an adaptation and everything's got to be based on ip and the thing is succession was an original idea there was it was not adapting anything and people loved it and those shows you mentioned earlier sopranos and breaking bad like the real the things that have really broken through in this era of television have almost entirely been like brand new ideas and not things linked to other things. And occasionally you'll get something great like Better Call Saul, but that tends to be the exception rather than the rule. And I would rather just see everyone involved go off and try something new rather than, you know, you know, continue with like, you know, uh, Connor and Willa, you know, living in Slovenia or whatever. Well, I, I'm just a little pushback here, Alan. Is Hasn't Yellowstone kind of reimagined that, though? I mean, 1883 and 1923. Yes. Are, are terrific, and they're Yellowstone stories. So yeah. maybe Succession can take a page from that. Jesse Armstrong and the rest of the creators can take a page from that and 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 do something similar to that where where you've got a Succession story. It might, it might be the way Logan uh, was born into his life. I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I'd be I mean, fascinated it's, it's by that. It's possible you could do something about Logan building his empire and you would have to cast like a young Brian Cox and a young James Cromwell. Um, I just, I tend to trend more towards like, give me something I haven't seen before, but I get your point. All right. So then uh, last one for you, give me something for succession fans who are now going to be staring into space, <laughs> wanting to watch something. What what would you suggest, Alan? That's oh next. Oh my God. I'm trying to think. I mean, there's, in terms of things about sort of cutthroat business. Um, <laughs> or something in a similar vein or anything that you're enjoying watching that you think, uh, you know, somebody who, who likes uh, great acting, great writing, great uh, storytelling, great everything. What do you think? What do you think is out there? All right. Um, one of the best things I've seen on TV this year is very unlike Succession, but it does have the great acting, the great writing, and the great direction. And that's Poker Face, which is the show Ryan Johnson and Natasha Leone. Uh, did for, for Peacock, this sort of mystery series that is among the other things along with Succession that has made me happiest to watch over the past uh, six months. Okay. And uh, have you seen the final Ted Lasso yet, Alan? I have not. And it's weird. The, the Ted Lasso official Twitter account, like, the, you know, in characters, Ted Lasso referred to the final match as the last match that he and Beard are going to coach. So this seems to be the first time that anyone has come right out and said, like, Either the show is ending tomorrow or Ted Lasso, at least, is leaving the show tomorrow and they're going to continue on without him. Well, we had Jason Sudeikis on the show just about three weeks ago, Alan, and he said uh, once episode 12 comes out of this season, you'll see how it's tied up, essentially how this is the story they were planning on telling and and you'll see how um, you know it feels like the end, but... They could get together, he and Brandon Hunt and the rest of the crew that uh, helped birth it, uh, as they said originally, as they birthed Ted Lasso, get around the pool, start laughing, start making each other laugh and come up with an idea to keep it going. It's possible, is what he said. But it yeah, does. It, there have been 
there have been enough TV shows over the year where, like, the leading character leaves and they keep it going, you know, as recently as, like, the Connors uh, on ABC. So I could see a version where, like, Roy Kent is the new coach or we follow, you know, Ted and Beard back to America. I mean, there, there's ways in which they could do it. And given what a big hit it's been for Apple, I would be shocked if they don't try to do something. So then I guess in the succession way, who who, who wins the, the job? Because it sure looks like Ted's going to go back home to be with his son. And that's the I way it's all hope- set up. I would hope that it's Roy who wins the job because I really I don't think that they've done a, a great uh, bit of storytelling here with Nate, like trying to turn him from nice guy to villain and back to nice guy again. So if if they're going to have someone succeed, Ted, I would like it to be Roy Kent. What what's Alan watching newsletter, best selling author and also chief TV critic of Rolling Stone. Alan Seppenwall, thanks for the time. Greatly appreciate it. Let's uh, look for more of my calls and, uh, and emails. Thank you. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure, Rich. Thank right. you. Alan Seppenwall right here at Seppenwall on Twitter and Instagram right here on The Rich Eisen Show. Okay. Everybody who watches Succession that hasn't seen the finale, you can tune back in. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, during the conversation, two things happened. Uh, one thing, um, that piece of yellow oh, yeah. uh, uh, warning that I don't oh. know what people, there's no one walking around. I don't know. That fell over. <laughs> Uh, as did, unfortunately, Dick Gasket. You forced a foot oh. set tiebreak. Spoiler alert for those who might have set your DVRs for the Dick Gasket. Four setter. He's been bounced. Tonight, Rich, thank you. Okay. Man. But he can stay in France because he's French. Hey. All right. Uh, we'll take a break and finish up uh, this show as well as let you know who's coming up this week. A lot of great guests still to come right here on the Rich Eisen Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. On the terrestrial radio audience, and sometimes <laughs> when we're talking just on Roku channel only, you're missing something. This time, you aren't missing anything. Yeah, that, oh, unless R-E-S- you like dogs and cats. Oh, yes, plus the. missing you Oh, yeah, that just get. That was Rich Eisen Show minus. Yeah, minus. Oh, minus. Rich Eisen Show plus, which we're still germinating because everything's a plus. Everybody's got a plus now. NFL plus, ESPN plus. We got to have our own plus. Living plus. <laughs> Friday Night Music Show Plus is coming. Yeah, you know, Friday, what, what does that look what, like? What does that you mean? Don't want to know. Uh, you don't want to know. I just made that up. Stupid. It can't even be a plus because you do everything it, on, on that show anyway. Mike Del, there's no so you can't if you plus up Mike Del Tufo, it oh, counters man. out. I, I think it counters the 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 real Mike Del. What Tufo. more can you plus? You, you drink, you up. curse, you, you play music. Up. You can't like plus elevate that anymore. <laughs> I gotta I gotta be honest with everybody here. I'm always honest. I gotta be honest with you. I'm being straight up honest. This happened. Uh, you know, we just talked about the succession finale. We just talked about how the Ted Lasso finale is coming. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about the Barry finale. I haven't I'm, seen it I yet. I haven't seen it yet yeah, either. Seen it yet. Um, 
There's another show that just finished up that I have been watching. I don't think you guys have watched. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You are correct. Okay. I have watched this since the beginning. Because I was wondering when it won all the awards and all the hoopla, like, what's it all about? It is truly one of the most remarkable shows I've ever seen. And, you know, I'd say that to Kevin Pollack when he was here and Tony Shalhoub when he was here. The final season of this show that just wrapped up, the final episode was dropped on Prime Video right here on Roku on Friday. I couldn't see it until yesterday morning. Susie went out to work out. The kids were asleep. I had 90 minutes to myself. I watched it. It made me cry. I'm not oh. lying to you. Susie comes back home. She's like, what happened? What, what, you know, like, was it the kids? Was it something <laughs> with your mom? What happened? Like, I'm like, no, it was, it was Mrs. Maisel. And she's just like, get out of here. I'm telling you, I don't know what it was, but I, I lost it. It was, and it was the most satisfying final season and final show of any show that had multiple seasons. What was it? Four or five? Maybe that I've ever seen. And I'm not lying to you. Because as you know, sometimes final episodes of shows make you feel like you didn't get enough. Yeah. You're, you're, you're going to have every question answered. And they all lose steam. The, the, the characters feel forced. The action feels forced. Like it, it's, you sometimes get the feeling, hey, this is enough. Not with this show. I'm telling you. You know, it's celebrated relationships and life and and family and success it really it i'm telling i i, I don't know why it made me cry it did and um i went full for ver- meal i did mm-hmm. i went full for meal so the last, gonna, cu- the last couple of lasso episodes have kind of been that way the last couple of lasso episodes have, have definitely some, have definitely taken some, an uptick yeah, yeah. Him in the season. kitchen with, with, with his mom. Mom, like, oh, man. I know. I was watching that yesterday. I like, know. Ooh. And then the finale tonight, I'm, I'm fully expecting it to be. Same. I want him to keep going. And I know that some folks yeah. think that this season has lost some steam or what have you. But it sure looks like, it sure season, looks like, yeah. again, that, that tweet that they, that they put out today saying it's the final match. It doesn't seem like it's just this season. It feels like it's over. And that th- again, that's what I liked about Mrs. M- the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It paid off everything. It paid the finale paid off why they call it that show. It paid off the future relationship of the main characters of the show. It paid off her 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 success ride that we've been following for so many years. It was funny. It was moving. Man. And I know I'm talking about a show that you might not ascribe to uh you know, to a, an audience that, that I'm discussing right now. I, I'm telling you, it's spectacular. I couldn't rave about it more. And it's definitely much more interesting than the conversation you guys were having in the commercial break. Stultifying. Stultifyingly bad. I like that. I and look it up I, if you I, want. Meow. What's on tonight? <laughs> What's on tonight? What's on tonight? Well, Major League Baseball. You don't really want to talk about that, do you? Rich. Power rankings have us number 10. Who's power rankings? Who's power rankings? Power Rangers? The, the Athletic. Oh, the oh, power athletic. Rangers. I respect them. Okay. The power Rangers. All right. Your top 10? Red Sox top 10? Look, as I said earlier, a 500 season is a win. We okay. have very low expectations. Okay. Same, the fact uh, that we're 
Same, Four or five games over right now, it's huge. Same amount of games out of the wild card right now as uh, the uh, the Los Angeles Angels, who you like crapping on. So, there you go. Well, they have two of the five best players in baseball. They yeah. should always be. Oh, that's better. right. And you let those guys go to play in Southern California. Who? We let Mike Trout go? And... No, you let Betts go and you, you let Xander Bogarts <laughs> go <laughs> to play in Southern California. That's, that's not what right. he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same intensity when we sign Otani. Come on, season starts. Oh. There ain't oh. no I'm back. chance. Oh. He's back. Come back. Same like, intensity. Like Future would say, ain't no way. You know what, though? Ain't no way. Because he knows the Red Sox are going to eventually lose in the regular season. You might as well just lose them all. What are you smoking, bro? Don't even try. Don't even try. The, the wins don't matter because you're going to lose, and it'll be so much easier on your fragile sports ego to have losses that don't get your hopes up. You'd rather if just. If you're telling me right now, okay, we're going to lose game seven of the ALCS, yeah. blowing a six run lead? Yeah. No, thank you. Give me all of the losses now, then. <laughs> Euthanize the Red Sox season now. No.